0: This is the Neighborhood Conversations Podcast. Today's episode was originally recorded on February 4th, 2024. Neighbors, I would love to read for you the Gospel according to Mark, and I invite you to stand as you're willing and able as we listen and hear from these words from the Gospel. I'm going to read from Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. Listen, listen, listen to what the Spirit is saying to God's people through these words. Jesus and his followers went to Capernaum. Immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and started teaching. The people were amazed by his teaching for he was teaching them with authority, not like the legal experts. Suddenly there in the synagogue, a person with an evil spirit screamed, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One from God. Silence, Jesus said, speaking harshly to the demon. Come out of him. The unclean spirit shook him and screamed, and then it came out. Everyone was shaken and questioned among themselves, what's this? A new teaching with authority. He even commands unclean spirits, and they obey him. Right away, the news about him spread throughout the entire region of Galilee. This, even this super interesting story, is the word of God for us, the beloved people of God. Will you say thanks be to God? Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. Oh, gracious God, thank you for this day and for the gift of being together in this place. God, we recognize that there are so many voices in the world. God, tune our hearts to hear your voice. God, I pray that you would speak through me and in spite of me, that what we hear is your message to us and what we all understand and comprehend is the deep and abiding love you have for all of us and indeed for all of them and for the whole world. God, we pray and ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who is the light and who is right here with us. And all of God's people said, amen. So I've been doing this church thing for a little more than 44 years at this point and I can think of four kinds of church interruptions that I have experienced. Okay? So first, let me just lay out that In my experience, most white Protestant churches have some sort of unspoken rules for church services, right? What you're supposed to do in church, what's in of bounds, what's out of bounds. Um, And this mostly involves you, you know, like sitting somewhere and being quiet unless you're reading liturgy together or singing. But usually, so usually there are only just a few people talking, right? There's like the pastor, maybe a few other speakers in the service, I'm not saying that this is the best or the only way. It's just usually how it goes, right? And I get that that's my experience, and your experience may be different, and I would love to hear how these things vary or how your past experiences in other places has varied from this one. But I have only, in that context, experienced four kinds of church interruptions, okay? The first is the fun or funny interruption, it's a pleasant kind of interruption that adds to the experience of worship. So a baby shouts or cries right on cue just at the moment that it adds to what's being said. You know how that happens sometimes. A teenager from the balcony says something that, that just makes a great point that we're all moved by, and we're proud of them for speaking up. You're Yes. An irresistibly funny line is shouted at the preacher, bringing the—I didn't even pay them. Okay, so (laughs) bringing the whole congregation to uproarious laughter. There it goes. This kind of thing, beyond the standard amen or other preaching encouragements, it just isn't a regular occurrence in most white churches that I've worshipped with, but in some more casual spaces like ours, it does happen from time to time. The second interruption is a bizarre interruption— And these are perhaps the rarest of all of these. Um, One time uh, at a church that I was a part of, a neighborhood orange cat named Sunshine um, came into the sanctuary during the service and some of the ushers started chasing it and and eventually they nabbed him and they took him home because they knew right where he lived So it's that kind of thing. Um, On another occasion, during the last hymn, a pizza delivery person came into the back doors of the church with a stack of pizza and shouted, I got seven pizzas for Brian. (laughs) And so that was entertaining. (laughs) This other time at my home church, uh, which didn't have air conditioning back when I was younger, Um, We were having worship in a warmer season, and and we had the windows open. They they all opened, because they were designed to have that kind of airflow. And during the sermon, a bird of some kind flew into the sanctuary. And the bird was, of course, confused, and it proceeded to fly back and forth across the sanctuary, just back and forth, like this. And the preacher stopped speaking and started watching this bird. And so did everyone in the congregation and so for a few moments it was like watching a tennis match just in relative silence, the whole room doing this. And then the bird found the window and flew out. And the preacher realized that she couldn't exactly top that, so she just sort of shrugged and said, well, amen, and sat down. (laughs) These bizarre kind of interruptions are very rare, but they are unforgettable they highlight that worship is supposed to be somehow orderly and structured but you know sometimes random things happen because we are doing worship in the world and a world it's a world that's not always entirely ordered right the third kind of interruption which is also very rare in my experience and in my prayer life <laughs> i really hope that this is a rare experience it's a medical sort of interruption I've been in services where people experience seizures or similar kinds of events. Um, One occasion, the preacher stopped talking, stopped speaking, and went to this person having a seizure in the pews and and got this man that was experiencing the seizure um, along with some other people in a safe position for him. And the pastor invited all of us to pray together, so we did. And after a few moments, the choir members started singing a hymn. And that calmed all of us. And and after a few more moments, the seizure passed. And we ended the service with more prayer and singing, just where we were, all circled up around this person. And at this church, we've had neighbors who are with us who were, were experiencing significant mental health issues and who interrupted our service with shouting and screaming. And I have seen you, some of you, Gently sit next to this person and offer them water or, or crayons for coloring or that gentle kind of patient love that helped that neighbor feel safe, watching that and watching you do that has left an, a long mark on me, a deep and lasting mark. The last kind of interruption that I want to name is an angry kind. Where the preacher is saying something perhaps challenging or offensive and someone speaks up, interrupting the message being delivered to attempt to stop those words from being said. This is the rarest kind of interruption, I think, because of the power dynamics involved. Most people would rather sit through something offensive and never come back to that space again, um, rather than speak up and challenge the speaker directly, particularly if that's happening in the preaching moment, right? I don't always feel it, but I bet we all could name that there is an interesting power dynamic between this one human here wearing this thing and this microphone um, and the rest of us that are here, right? So I have seen it happen once, a visiting preacher at a service that I was a part of um, started in on some of this uh, wives be obedient to your husbands kind of stuff. And a woman stood up from the congregation and said, okay, that's enough. We don't gonna have any of that here today. (laughs) And I have never been prouder to be a part of a church (laughs) than in that moment. But those moments of angry, challenging interruption are not always satisfying. They can feel very dangerous, very risky, and are extremely tense for many different reasons, particularly in the kind of political age that we are living in. I bring all of this up to help us think about our text for today. I think that the way that I have seen this story portrayed in the past and imagined it in my mind is that Jesus is preaching or teaching in a synagogue, which is, I suppose, a pre-Christian analog for church, right? And a rough, disheveled, dirty man bursts into the space and interrupts the gloriously meaningful teaching that Jesus is giving— And this man is an outsider of some kind, bursting in and interrupting Jesus with demonic words that come from the evil spirit possessing the man. Have you all heard the story this way? Here in 2024, as modern liberationist Christians, we might be uncomfortable with the pre-modern idea of demon possession, particularly if we have ever been labeled as demon-possessed ourselves because of our queerness or some other aspect of our identity. I get that. And I've heard one way of understanding this text and other texts like it that involve evil spirits as being a sort of pre-modern way of understanding mental illness, perhaps schizophrenia or something else like that. So when this outsider bursts in and interrupts Jesus, he's a person on the periphery of the community who is not in his right mind, And when Jesus speaks sternly to him and casts the spirit out, it's Jesus offering mental health care. Glory be to God in the highest. (laughs) I can get down with that interpretation, I think. But then I remembered that I have been to church a few times. And I start thinking about Jesus, as I do, (laughs) and I got curious about the kind of person that I believe and trust Jesus to be and how he responds to this interruption. Now here's the interaction again. A person with an evil spirit screamed, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One from God. Silence, Jesus says, speaking harshly to the demon. Come out of him. The unclean spirit shook him and screamed, and then it came out. Silence, Jesus said, speaking harshly to the demon. My hope and trust is that Jesus would not speak harshly to someone simply experiencing a mental break of some kind. I've never seen that approach be healing or restorative, particularly not in a transformative Jesus kind of way. It doesn't seem to be his style. So that brought up another question for me. So what kind of interruption was this? If it wasn't a medical or a mental health kind of interruption, what kind of interruption was it? It was certainly bizarre, bizarre enough for the gospel writer to remember and record, sure. And I have seen it portrayed in funny ways. <laughs> and, and believe me, I can show you a YouTube clip later if you want to that's just riotous. Um, but that, that's not where I want to go with this. I was struck when I was studying this text how much it felt to me like an angry interruption. This was not a person out of their mind speaking out of turn. This was a person who felt like they were in the right. A person who perhaps had power or felt like he had power, who did not like what this visiting rabbi was saying. And he decided to use his power to silence the threatening words of this guest preacher. I'm considering a new perspective where this interrupting voice was not an outsider at all, but the ultimate insider, a core leader of this community who felt like he had the right and the authority to get Jesus to shut up. And we aren't exactly told what Jesus was saying, only how it came across. We're told that it was a new teaching with authority, not like the legal expert's oh, there's a little five-word clue, isn't there? Not like the legal experts. Is that five, I hope? Yes? Six? Yes? Yes? Five? Okay, cool. The folks who have expended time and energy and effort to become credentialed in the study and interpretation of the law of God, the Bible experts— It seems that whatever this new authoritative teaching contains, it was received with interest and joy by most of the congregation and received as threat and challenge by the legal experts and perhaps most energetically by the well-revered legal expert in the synagogue that morning. This was not perhaps a peripheral voice. This was the voice of the establishment. The voice of the institutions, the voice of the accreted and encrusted inflexible tradition that does not flex with the people, with the dynamics of the time, with the arrival of new voices and energy and imagination. Now, this is not a commentary on how lawyers are demons. You didn't hear me say that. But I am wondering if it is a story about what happened when Jesus went to church and encountered the power structure. Does it help if we see this interrupting voice coming from an older cis white man in a suit, who is also the trustee chair and has served as a delegate to annual conference in years past? What might it mean if Jesus came to speak in your church, in our church, and this voice interrupted him and said, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Who is the us in these words? It's the gathered community that the speaker feels. Is it the gathered community that he feels like he represents? It's like he's trying to cast Jesus as the outsider. You ain't from around here, Jesus. And this ain't how we do here. (laughs) Jesus, you coming up here with all that kind of talk is dangerous. And it might be dangerous for you if you keep talking. I think here's my point. This voice this, that the scripture labels as demonic is perhaps understood as the voice of the inflexible institution, of the structures of power and privilege that are quite happy with the status quo and who see change as a threat. This voice speaks up All of the time, in public spaces, in Senate chambers, and in internet fora, and in private conversations that attempt to shut down new authoritative voices that speak words of liberation, freedom, and of the full humanity of all the humans. And if any voice is seeking to silence joy and love and full humanity, then that voice is rightly named as demonic, perhaps. This voice is looking to preserve the structures of injustice, of white supremacy, of queer and transphobia, of xenophobia and anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. If these structures of power are unjust, then the voices energetically looking to protect, preserve, or extend them cannot be holy voices. The work of preserving unjust power is not holy work, friends. But here is my last point. Let's look at what Jesus does in this situation. He speaks harshly to the demon and not to the human. You catch that? Jesus says silence to the voice delivering this threat. And he sharply orders this voice to leave the human mouth and mind. This demonic voice is looking to silence the authority and transformative teaching of Jesus, but Jesus commands this voice to fall silent and to leave behind the humans it has controlled, leaving only free people behind. If anything happens in the story, it's that Jesus exercises the demon of institutional power, leaving behind liberated people free to engage in new and creative and humanizing patterns of life. And y'all, maybe that includes even liberated cis white men. Because this voice is cast out, but not the human. The human is still valued and welcomed. Y'all, shifting power dynamics does not feel easy. It can feel like a threat, it can feel harmful but it's necessary to both cast out the demons of white supremacy and include the people named as white in the work. You with me? It is critical to cast out the queerphobic voices and still include the people who remain in the work. But we can make this kind of distinction because Jesus did and does, y'all, we can interrupt injustice. We can interrupt power. We can interrupt tradition if it's no longer serving our full humanity. We can challenge evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves because this is our work as the bad pie's body of Christ. And y'all, we have more than a little help. Because this kind of thing is what the light can do. Thanks be to God for that. Amen. Amen. Neighborhood Conversations is produced by Neighborhood Church in Atlanta, Georgia. You can learn more about us at neighborhoodchurchatl.com and on our website you can find links to our weekly live streams and you can find out what's going on in the neighborhood. Find us on social media, and don't forget to subscribe.